Welcome to the Clear Skin Chronicles, the podcast that takes you on a journey to uncover the secrets of achieving glowing, acne-free skin. We believe that knowledge is power, and by understanding the root causes of your acne, we can create a solid foundation for long-lasting clear skin. I'm Katie Stewart, registered holistic nutritionist and founder of The Clear Skin Solution, where we help women just like you get to the root cause of their acne. And I'm Chris Brown, registered holistic nutritionist and program director in The Clear Skin Solution. Through functional testing, we pinpoint where the body system imbalances lie so we can dive deep into your acne clearing journey. We work virtually with clients to clear up their skin from the inside out and have helped thousands of women worldwide regain their confidence. Here at the Clear Skin Chronicles and our practice, the Clear Skin Solution, we deal a lot with acne. It is our bread and butter. We sleep, eat, and breathe acne. And the majority of the clients that we work with are over 30. So not only are they dealing with acne, but they're also starting to notice signs of aging, the fine lines. They're getting older. And a lot of our clients say, Katie, I never thought I would be dealing with acne and fine lines at the same time. So today I really wanted to bring in an expert in this field of aging, the lovely Dr. Manny. She is an entrepreneur and founder of the Integrative Health and Wellness Practice, Live Age Well. She splits her time between Alabama and Florida, which I'm quite jealous of being a Canadian living in a winter climate here. And she is a trained medical doctor that has taken a holistic approach with her clients. So Dr. Manny, thank you so much for joining us today. My co-host Chris was unable to come. She had a slew of natural Naturopathic reviews today. So I'm excited to have you on the show today. I'm glad to be here, Katie. So let's dig right into it because aging is a thing that happens to us all. It's inevitable. It's not going anywhere. We can fight it as much as we want, but it is going to happen. But we can actually be aging gracefully or aging in a, in a gentle way. So for you, how would you really define aging and what causes it? So aging is a complex biological process where there is a gradual wear and tear of each single cell, system, organ of our body over time. And that actually causes um, increased risk of many metabolic, chronic metabolic disease and also reduction in lifespan. So it's so complex, it's just difficult to define aging in just one single sentence. So it's just a complex biological process where it's a decline of all the physiological functions of the body. Plus also, uh, physical manifestation of aging, how you see is you see the wrinkles on your skin, you see the graying of hairs, you see the, I mean, you feel frailty, loss of muscle mass bone density mass is lost, and then also tiredness, you know, forgetfulness, so or flexibility issues in your joints. So all those are the physical manifestation of aging. That's how you define aging in a simple term. So the theories of aging, and I'll tell you actually what are the different processes going on when your body is aging, you know, that there are two theories. Long back, the scientists and the aging uh, experts used to define that aging is inevitable. It's just uh, basically coded in your genetics. You know, you can't help it. So humans are basically born. And when they have served their purpose, that's reproduction, they start to decline. Their functions, you know, the whole function of the body starts to decline. And that's one theory, which was basically concluded by some of these aging scientists. And then with betterment and, you know, tools and different lifestyle practices, you know, when the health span and the lifespan started to improve, the other aging scientists in the newer trend, you know, they say that, no, the aging is something which is more like a decline in your bodily function because either there are lifestyle problems or because of the toxins, all the environmental toxins. So this there's accumulation of all this damage is because of either lifestyles problems, issues, or because of the toxins around your environment. So lifestyle, you know, either lack of sleep, uh, poor nutrition, or poor exercise habits, you know, those are the lifestyle problems. And we'll talk about each of them later. Uh, but the environmental toxins mean all the toxins which are inevitable, you can't help it, you know, the herbicides, pesticides, glyphosates, um, you know, on your plants and on the crops, they are really, really bad for your health. UV radiations, you know, uh, the EMF from your 
gadgets, technological gadgets. And then uh, there are so many talents, so many bad chemicals in your skincare and in your makeup products, you know, can't help it. And people are not aware much, you know, how to use the clean product. They don't have much knowledge about it. So all these, uh, you know, the sugar, uh, artificial sugar, and also the colors, you know, present in your food products, they all mess you up so bad. They causes the damage on the cells. And because of accumulation of all that damage, you know, you basically, your pace of aging is accelerated, right? So this was the second theory. So now aging scientists, you know, people, okay, agreed and concluded that, okay, it's the combination of the two theories. They kind of just concluded that it's, they agreed on the common middle grounds and they said, okay, no, this is a combination of two theories, genetics as well as, you know, lifestyle. So, but the good news is only 20% genetic contribution and 80% is all lifestyle, which is good. So that means that 80% of the times we can actually control and better our life, you know, we can increase our health span. And so if you take care of your lifestyle factors, you know, factors all around you, what you eat, how you eat, when you exercise, how much you sleep, uh, you can control a lot with your life. You can control a lot with your uh, total overall health and vitality. And I think that's a great point because in our society, aging is synonymous with feeling awful. Aging is synonymous with having to take a slew of medications, with having a loss of muscle mass, with not feeling well, with having to go to the doctor. But it doesn't have to be like that. There's many societies around the world that live well into their centurion years because they've really adopted a healthy lifestyle. So for you, what would you say are some of those stressors that really help age us faster? I think, the, and then before that, I'll talk, what are the th three main processes, you know, which are going on inside our body that ages us? Very, very important. Number one is oxidation. Number two is inflammation. And number three is decreased capacity of detoxification. So when those three accumulates, you know, that kind of just accelerate. They are all uh, the factors that kind of just ages us faster, right? Making us more susceptible to all those diseases and reduction in our lifespan. So these three factors and these like first starts the oxidation. Uh, you know, our cells are constantly functioning. We are living our life. Cells are constantly functioning in order for us to be doing and performing every single work. I'm thinking I'm doing the yard work. I'm doing anything in the life. You know, our cells are constantly functioning. They are dividing. They are replicating. And the DNA is constantly replicating. DNA is, is constantly, uh, you know, repairing and synthesizing in order for us to be functioning and in order for us to be living our life. So during all that process, there is a burden of ROS. ROS is, these are, these are basically the end products uh, which causes the oxidation, right? These are the end products that are formed as a process of any cell replication or cell division. And when these end products accumulate and your body is not able to clear those ROS, you know, then that, that's the culprit, basically, that causes too much oxidation in our body. And when there is too much oxidation, all the pro-inflammatory cells, you know, they accumulate around the tissues and organs, and then they cause inflammation. And we all know inflammation is the major culprit for aging. Inflammation contributes so much heavily towards aging, you know, so as much as to that it is one of the cause of aging now. It's been defined as the cause of aging. And when there is so much inflammation and so many end products of oxidation and we are not able to clear those out of the bodies, uh, they actually, you know, they, they appear in the form of diseases. They appear in the form of, you know, all the how our body is compromised, you know. So, I mean, to your question, the answer to your question, bottom line is, you know, basically the products like, you know, the food like sugar is the main culprit because when we eat sugar, our blood sugar is raised. There's a steep rise in blood sugar and, you know, your body produces insulin in order to neutralize and grasp that sugar and take it in liver and muscles in order to basically, you know, hunker down the accumulation of blood sugar, right? Hunker down the accumulation of sugar in the blood. But 
when it comes to the point that your body becomes insulin insensitive, it cannot do that function anymore. And then there's basically accumulation of sugar. And because of sugar accumulation, all these fatty acids, nucleic acid, protein particles, protein molecules, they all become glycated. And this is called advanced glycation, right? Advanced glycation of all these proteins. And when these proteins become glycated, they are not able to perform their function as they should be in our body, right? For every single cell to be functioning, we need protein, we need enzymes, right? Uh, and when these enzymes and proteins in the cell, they become glycated, they become insufficient. They become non-functional. They don't do their work properly. And that is when you know, that is the origination of any disease, you know, that's when the problem starts. So basically sugar is the main culprit. So not only sugar, but also the processed food. So you should be consuming basically clean food, organic food, diverse food, non-processed food, least amount of sugar as much as possible, you know, so that will help you to go long run. And I think Dr. Manny, I'm like nodding with everything you're saying because we're basically echoing exactly what we say to our acne clients. Because with acne, inflammation, oxidative stress, poor detoxification, blood sugar, you know, sugar in general, all of these things are at the core root of acne. So when we're looking to repair acne or we're looking to support, you know, graceful aging, it really comes down to the same thing. And it is making sure right. that we're reducing inflammation, reducing that oxidative stress. We are having the nutrient-dense foods and avoiding sugar. Whether you want to have pro-aging you know, pro or you want to have a reduction in acne, it, it really comes down to the same things. That's absolutely well said. And uh, I also wanted to add, uh, since we are talking about skin aging and skin health, you know, sugar, uh, you, we all know our skin is... 70% made of collagen. You know, our collagen supports our skin, our tissues, our ligaments, our fascia, or all the connective tissue. So collagen is one of the major protein component, you know, that supports our connective tissue, including skin. And collagen, glycation of the collagen causes wrinkling of the skin. So when you consume just a lot of sugar and processed food in your diet, you basically glycate your collagen and that damages the collagen protein. And that is the main cause for the wrinkle on your skin and also acne because that causes Absolutely. inflammation and that's the origination of acne. And I really love these types of conversations because you can see when we're dealing with health, it, we no matter what kind of the niche that you're talking with, whether it's aging, it's acne, it's fertility, it's digestion, we're all as practitioners really teaching the same things, reducing the inflammation, the oxidative stress, you know, the, the toxic load. And when at the beginning you were talking about this toxic world that we live in from the pesticides on our food, the chemicals in our water, the ingredients in our skincare, our ingredients in our cleaning products, these are all you know, implicated not only acne, but also in aging and other diseases as well. Exactly. You know, if we see the world, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, there used to be not these diseases of aging. There used to be, I mean, the old cause mortality definitely used to be quite high because of the lack of medical treatments and lack of the advancements. But, you know, diseases of aging like cancer, obesity, uh, diabetes mellitus, cardiovascular disease, the incidence of all those diseases used to be much, much less than what it is right now. So uh, the currently, I mean, all uh, the, the world is basically loaded with increased incidence of all age-related diseases, right? So, I mean, that's an indication that we are basically living a poor lifestyle. We are, sleep is, sleep hygiene is poor. We are not exercising enough, you know, as our Ancestor, naturally, they used to, you know, they used to be going out all the time, present in, in presence of sunlight and working, farming, agriculture, walking, you know, gathering their food and eating not as much as what we eat nowadays in this generation. I mean, we are because of the convenience and because of the abundance of the food, we have just too much in our plate. You know, I mean, we all eat all the time. And then plus also mental stressors, right? Because of the stress, uh, our cortical—I mean, our cortisol level is so high that makes us eat more. You know, so there are so many factors, and uh, and you know that's why I say it's just a cycle. It's it's a amalgamation of uh, interplay of different factors all together, and everything is just so much interrelated. 
Absolutely. So before we go into some tactical strategies, because, you you know, you have some really great points we want to get to, I really want to bring to light the, the, the difference between lifespan and health span, because in our society, we have lengthened our lifespan, but we haven't lengthened the health span. And why do you think that is? So true. So true. So because of all the advancement, because of all the advances in AI and, you know, knowledge, uh, we have great scientists and so many publications, so much scientific research that has led us to basically increase the lifespan. We found so many tools to basically slow down aging. Right. You know, so many treatments like we all know, Okay, hot and cold therapy, photomodulation, hormone therapy, PRPs and peptide therapy, uh, personal supplementation. All that, you know, has really helped us to increase the lifespan. But what's really going on is that the uh, the health span, that means the amount of years that you live with full vitality and good health, that's called health span. That is been shrinking down, you know, because. We've increased the lifespan, the amount of years a person lives. But you know, the, if if what's the what's the good use of it if we are living last ten years basically in a nursing home or dependent on others, and we are not able to enjoy our grandkids, you know, play around with them, or we are just not in. If you are not able to enjoy the last ten years of your life, I mean, this I I would not live. With, I would not l- love to have the extended lifespan, you know, at that condition. So uh, that's the difference between lifespan and health span. So in order to have a better health span and, you know, longer health span, you need to basically be fixing the issues of all these lifestyle pillars around you. Absolutely. Lifestyle is such an overlooked component to our health that we're so focused on, I eat a great diet, but they don't look at their lifestyle that they're living, that they're burning the candle at both ends, that their stress is through the roof, that they're constantly on their technology. These are the things that are just as important in our health as the food that we're eating. So Dr. Manny, I would love for you to talk through what are the lifestyle strategies and the supplements that you utilize with your patients and clients to boost their longevity? The very first one I want to talk about is exercise. That's a paramount. It's a, it's an elixir of youth, basically. There is no other supplement. There is no other medication that is as good as exercising daily, you know, exercising regularly. Exercise is the best medication for anti-aging, for anti-inflammation, for anti-oxidation. You know, it increases your immunity. It decreases the risk of cancer, cardiovascular disease, obesity, diabetes, and it overall decreases the risk of your overall uh, all-cause mortality. You know, if you exercise regularly, study after study, you know, they all share data that if you exercise regularly five times, six times in a week, you know, or almost like uh, 150 to 300 minutes per week, you reduces your all-cause mortality to 20 to 30 percent. Which is a huge number. Huge. It's a huge a big number. It's a huge. And I mean, such a strong data to represent, you know, that exercise is, is an elixir of youth, you know. So uh, it not only increases your immunity, but also it is great for your brain health. It increases the cognition, right? You must have heard people say like, okay, I feel really good when I do my exercise or when I'm done with my workouts. It's because you, uh, you're, when you exercise, we all know that lactate is produced in our muscles. And that lactate is not bad. I mean, when it is above two, it's bad, but within two, it's, it's good because that serves as a fuel for your brain cells to produce neurotransmitters. That serves as a food or fuel or energy for your brain cells to produce more serotonins. And when you have more serotonin, you feel happy. It's a feel happy hormone, right? And not only that, even for the gut health, exercise is so good for your gut health. Again, the the concept of lactate, when you have this lactate, your gut microbiome, they feed on that lactate and they produce short-chain fatty acid called propionic acid or propionate. And that propionate is actually, there's a study that shows that propionate uh, increases the overall strength and vitality because of the propionate. So you see when the study compared exercisers versus non-exercisers, the overall strength of exercisers were, was much more greater 
than the people who are not exercising, you know, and that's because of the short chain fatty acid, propionic acid, you know. And it's such a simple thing, simple exercise, thing. right? It's simple. We, we overlook it because you, you, I always say you can't out supplement um, lack of movement and lack of sleep. You can't take a bunch of supplements if you're not if you're not getting movement in your day and you're not sleeping. So, Dr. Manny, I want to dig into this movement exercise piece a little bit more. Is movement have to be some crazy hour and a half workout or could it be something as simple as taking a walk down the, the street or going for a nice hike in nature? Does it always have to be these crazy workouts or what would you say is really that ideal form of exercise to get in? So the answer to that question is I know exercise to many people is not a pleasant thing to start with, you know, and that's what I tell my clients, you know, if you don't exercise at all, at all start walking. If you walk and you like it, start jogging and then start running. And then once you are into that mode and into that zen, then just look what is good for you, what kind of benefits you want to have. Whether you want to benefit for your muscles, then go ahead and do resistance exercise, weight training. You know, if you want a benefit for your brain health, do high intensity. If you want cardiovascular benefits, then go ahead do the aerobic exercise. So it depends what you want. But it's just not a tough thing. I mean, start slow right? And uh, start low and go slow and then keep on building your, uh, basically the interest, what you like. And the kind of exercise, just make sure, do anything, work out every day consistently. That's the key. When you work out, I mean, just on the general layman terms, you know, just make sure that you're pushing, you're pulling and some leg exercise and some aerobics, right? When you have the combination of those four components or those four kind of exercise, you'll just make it the whole routine. You'll make the whole session. Uh, There are some clients of mine, they say like, who has it? Who has time for 30 minutes every day or 45 minutes every day? That's okay. That's okay. There's a recent study done from uh, National Institute of Health and Aging, and that actually shows uh, the data. They have actually developed a protocol and that's called WILPA. V-I-L-P-A. V is vigorous, intensity, lifestyle, physical activity. So that sheds some very good results. I mean, that sheds some light on these results that, you know, if you are able to exercise, even from your office or from your home when you're working, there's no need for gym membership. If you're working one to three minutes, high-intensity exercise, where you can bring your maximum heart rate to 80% of its capacity right? And you're doing it three times in a day. Your overall all-cause mortality is reduced to 30 to 40%, which is again, massive, right? I mean, too impressive, you know? So uh, people who are too busy just get involved in any kind of moment, you know? High-intensity exercise, one to three minutes, three times a day, even from your office, you know? It's not tough. You can do it, but it is overall so good for your health and vitality. And I mean, you can live up to your full potential when you have done that for yourself, plus it gives you happiness. You know, it is good for your brain. I mean, you feel good after exercise. So of any kind, but if you're working out, make sure do that every day consistently, right? Regularly, be regular on your exercise schedule. 150 to 300 minutes per week, if you're doing moderate exercise and around uh, 75 minutes to 150 minutes per week, if you are involved with the high intense exercise. So I like, I mean, when I have my clients get onto the schedule, I like to include both uh, high intensity as well as the resistance training, because it's, it's the combination is just good for your endurance as well as for your strength for your muscle strength, as well as for your heart, for endurance. You know, high intensity is good for your endurance and for muscle strength, resistance training and weight training, whether it, whether, whether it is free weights or weighted exercise, weighted machine, anything is just good. Movement in general, if we movement can get more in movement in our day. Especially for women, I like, you know, my so many of my, my clients are mostly above the age of 40 or 40. You know, above the age of 40, Katie, I mean, the, the data shows that there's a 5 to 8% muscle mass loss every decade, which is huge. So it's, it's, so, it's, uh, it's just detrimental for women 
over the age of uh, 40 because they're in their menopause and premenopausal stage. They need to do something for uh, their bone mass and muscle mass. Because see, if you're losing 5 to 8% muscle mass every decade and you don't do anything to counteract it, it's too late. Uh, you know, you would have lost so much muscle. And we all know that muscle mass is paramount. Uh, it's basically so important and essential because it acts as a sink for disposal of blood glucose, you know. So if you don't exercise, you are anyway on a risk to be getting prediabetes, you know. So it's just... Movement helps with everything. It helps with everything. That's what we say. It's just, it's, in general, it's the elixir of youth. I love it. The elixir of youth. All of the women listening are going to start walking and lifting weights. So before I move into supplements, I do want to dig into sleep because sleep is such a, again, it's a simple thing, but it is so absolutely critical for our health, for our aging, for our skin, for our brain. So why is it so important? And how can we maintain a good sleep hygiene in this world that we live in? You know, sleep is, uh, is detrimental, it's non-negotiable, but sometimes people don't understand the value of it. I mean, uh, sleeping for seven to eight hours every night is just so important for your immunity uh, to hunker down the inflammation. Sleep is uh, is the most foundational pillar in aging, in the field of aging. So if you're sleeping enough for seven to eight hours, and I'll tell you what is a poor sleep hygiene. You know, if you're not sleeping for seven to eight hours or you're sleeping for around four to five hours every night and you are indulging in daytime naps and your, you know, latency period, that means the period, the amount of time or amount of minutes that you take in order to go to sleep. You know, if your latency period is more than 30 minutes, that's called poor sleep hygiene. And that's the downhill to basically um, so many other risk factors like diabetes. You know, you you just, you know, they have done a study from Harvard where they show that, you know, if for a week you have not sleep, slept enough, you have just indulged into four to five hours of sleep for just one week. Those subjects were basically totally labeled as prediabetes. Their blood sugar was just much above the level of pre-diabetic blood sugar level. Uh, so it's, it's, sleep is just so, so important. And, you know, because during the time of sleep, and you need your full seven to eight hours because you're, during sleep, you're, uh, you have different sleep cycles, right? Your REM sleep, your light sleep, and your deep sleep. If you ever see the data on the aura ring, uh, I wear aura ring all the time because love an aura ring. Aura ring. Yeah, they are great because not only they do measure your sleep data, but also do HRV, which is just so important indicator of health assessment, right? So when you go through those sleep cycles, you know, light sleep, deep sleep, REM, and then again, you know, during the deep sleep phase, basically your lymphatic systems get activated. That means, uh, you know, the lymphatic systems of CSF or cerebrospinal fluid in the brain is called lymphatic system. Those lymphatic systems are the detoxification factories for your brain, right? So all day you're working, thinking, focusing, memorizing, you know, so your brain cells are constantly functioning. And during the night, they need to clear off all those toxins. They need to basically clear off all the beta amyloid proteins, you know, and we all know that beta amyloid protein, the collection or accumulation of them is the main cause for Alzheimer or dementia. So when you don't take, when you get, don't get enough deep sleep, basically you cannot clear up all those toxins. And then you have, uh, you know, people who sleep only for four to five hours per night, they have double the risk of dementia as compared to the other counterparts who sleep for seven to eight hours. It's a, there's so many huge numbers this, in this track today, but yeah, especially dementia, right? Dementia is something that plagues our society. And it's such a horror. I always say it's one of, I would hate to have that disease because not being able to rem remember your friends and your family and your loved ones, like so, so, so sad. And the fact that just getting good sleep can reduce our risk by that much yeah. is such a profound stat. It's, it's devastating to see people with dementia and Alzheimer's because, you know, just like you said, it's emotionally devastating disease, you know, and just mm -hmm. basically having to sleep, you're able to correct that 
problem why not fix it you know so uh, because during deep sleep all these brain cells they wire and fire with each other and that reduces the neuroplasticity straight away reduce the risk of dementia right and uh, so it's just very very important to have good night's sleep and deep sleep is very important and i am not saying that rem is not important rem is at most important as well because during rem you convert your short term memories to long term memories so basically you restore your memories during the rem sleep so it's it's another important phase of sleep i think my husband needs some more rem sleep so his his memory is good <laughs> that's what i'm getting out of this so and i i know dr mana you probably get the same or similar questions as we do from our clients is i'm we always hear this I'm not a good sleeper. I've never been able to sleep and I know it's important. So how do I do it? Do you, I'm assuming you get these same questions from your clients. I do, I do. Uh, these are very, uh, there are very simple solutions to this. But again, these uh, questions are so frequently asked, you know, and just simple things that you can do to improve your sleep hygiene. You know, I mean, uh, just, we all know about melatonin you know after 6 pm melatonin rises and then you know your adrenaline kind of just dips down and that causes us to sleep so we don't first of all we have to make sure that we don't mess up with those hormones you know it's a part of circadian rhythm so in order for us to not mess up with those hormones when your body starts to hunker down and go into that calm state so you go along with that so avoid the avoid the exposure of bright lights and blue lights right after 6 to 7 pm you know stay away from your gadgets and if you are working i know i it's just we are all humans we do work on our computers and even around 7 to 8 pm trying to reply some emails first of all try to avoid it but if you have to you know i like i like to wear some blue light blocking glasses they really do help you know because at least they don't mess up the hormones and then eat 2 to 3 hours before going to sleep because when your stomach is empty you just sleep better right and try to have the dark out environment in your bedroom don't watch tv and uh, you know basically all those kind of little strategies that are so important to fix your sleep problems you know so basically avoid bright light blue light calm down and you know uh, all those big huge bulbs just totally i mean power off and uh, just eat at right time you know don't eat right before the bed because if you do your body thinks that it's a daytime you know they start to produce adrenaline and then when adrenaline is produced you will stay awake for a little bit more longer and when you do stay awake you are again working on your iPhones and just checking and and then whole ghrelin and you know a leptin kind of those hunger hormones they get messed up and it's just a mess yeah so just consistently sleep at right time every single night that's the key to go and we for so for us we get quite a bit of shift workers we work a lot with nurses so when you have clients coming then that are on shift work what would you say would be some tips for them to help improve their sleep again i mean i know shift my husband he is an anesthesiologist and i think his schedule is the most messed up schedule i mean he's just finished actually six nights you know the trauma nights and what i do with my husband on practical basis i just share that whenever he's done with his uh, night shifts you know next two days he's off completely off i try to i try to have him exposed to sun as much as possible because when your body get exposed to the sun and you know sunlight and vitamin d first of all that all helps anyway but your body tries to get into the circadian rhythm when you are in sun you know i we have a beach house we go to beach house right after when he's done with his so uh, nice. calls you know so it's just that your body tries to get into the rhythm once your circadian rhythm is right right so just get yourself exposed to uh the hobbies and during the daytime get yourself exposed to the light the natural sunlight you know and that's the best thing that you can do for the doctors nurses you know people who 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 are the shift workers you know and also just eat at right time when you're going to sleep try to reduce the temperature around your environment i mean make it around 68 to 65 to 68 uh, in your bedroom you know so that you can sleep well because that kind of just synchronize with your own body because when you sleep and you're during your deep sleep your temperature is much lower your blood pressure falls your heart rate falls so just try to synchronize uh, your rhythm according to the body's rhythm 
and exposure to sun is the best uh, tool. Simple, simple, yes. simple strategies. All of these have been simple. So now that we've talked through the importance of, you know, nutrient rich, rich diet, we've talked about the importance of lifestyle, like sleep and movement. I want to dig in a little bit to supplements. So I always preface this as I'm sure you do with your clients that supplements can be quite individualized to the person. But for you, I love if you could share some key ones that you generally find yourself using quite often with your clients. So my approach is uh, food first is my primary approach. Definitely food uh, can never compensate for any deficiency. 100%. But mm-hmm. but it's, sometimes it becomes just inevitable because nowadays the crops, you know, the soil is so nutrient soil. deficient that it cannot actually give you the food which is good for your body and which you need to consume, right? So the low-hanging fruit uh, the, is basically go and consume the pills, you know, supplementation. And I'll talk to you, Kitty, about three major and the most important supplements. And these are called micronutrients. So there are macronutrients, that is your protein, carbohydrates, and fats, and everybody know about it. And there's so much noise in social media and all around you that, okay, consume this much fat and consume this much protein is so needed for your muscle health. You know, and we know that, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, RDA has a very low recommendation, which is 0.8 grams per kg, but uh, it should be actually one gram per pound of your body weight. That's that's the basic that we all have, you know, all the anti-aging and people have been basically, okay, we'll do like one gram per pound of your body weight. So that's about the protein. So we'll talk about that later. But the most important thing is micronutrients. And when I say micronutrients for general audience, I know you would know it, but for your audience, micronutrients are basically all the vitamins, minerals, fatty acids and amino acids. These, the collection of these four categories is called micronutrients. And micronutrient deficiency is so common in United States as well as in all the developed countries. And it's, a, it's just a overlooked and understudied kind of stuff, you know, because when we talk about nutrition, everybody just talks about protein, you know, but these micronutrients, that means these minerals and vitamins, and these fatty acid nucleic, they, they are so, so, so important for basically every single function of your body, for your metabolism, for for pumping the blood from your heart to your peripheries, for your cell replication, for your DNA synthesis, for your DNA repair, for your hormones formation, for serotonin, for neurotransmitters, for every single function, we need all these micronutrients, you know? So these micronutrients are so important and they are uh, there are around 30 to 40 essential micronutrients which we should be consuming from our diet but we don't get them enough from our diet so it's essential to basically consume them in the form of pills or supplementation number 1 is vitamin D around 70% of us population is lacking in vitamin D you know when i say lacking in vitamin D that means their titer or their uh, measure the blood measure of vitamin D is less than 30 or 30 which is just too less. It should be around 50 to 80 per 80, right? In order to meet the criteria. So, and the reason for that, again, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, vitamin D deficiency was not that prevalent. It was not that common. People were outside, you know? We lived outside in sun because vitamin D is produced on your skin and from your skin when you get exposed to the sunlight. We are not outside. We are all now working inside and working in front of our technology, you know, work from home. So we are not outside that much. So vitamin D deficiency is obviously very common. And the solution to that is to basically take a pill every day. The upper safe limit is around 4,000 IU international unit. Uh, without having to cause the toxicity, right? So if you're taking around 4,000 international unit every single day, that will kind of just keep you optimized because it is needed for uh, your immunity. It is needed to hunker down the inflammation. It is needed for all the functions of the cellular uh, optimization. So vitamin D exposure, I mean, exposure to sun is needed, but I know, uh, and then also we, uh, nowadays, you know, the trend is that we st- literally slather SPF, you know, sunscreens on our skin. I mean, which I agree, I don't deny because it's needed. You want to save your skin and you want to save from skin cells, carcinomas, melanomas, but definitely consume vitamin D every day, daily supplement. Yeah. 
And I always make sure to get, you know, about 15 to 30 minutes of sun exposure in the off-peak hours without sunscreen on because I want to be able to absorb that natural vitamin D into my body. And then I'll wear that SPF if I'm going to be out at the beach all day, of course. I think that's a really important important note of getting good vitamin D into your system is very, is very, phenomenal. very important. And especially, I mean, you just like you said, Katie, that's a that's a great point. Let's try to stay away from sun during the peak hours, that is 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. But before that and after that, if you're exposed to outside exposure of sun, don't wear sunscreen before 10 a.m., you know? I mean, I that's my thing. I, I like to avoid wearing sunscreen before 10 a.m. Mm. But 10 to 4 p.m., definitely I would actually be always every single day. Even if I'm at my home or in my office, I'll have sunscreen on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So outside of vitamin D, is there any other supplements you recommend or is that generally the the, the no, first one that you read uh, that's, for? That's the first one. And I mean, all three, which I'm going to talk about are very important. And then there's magnesium. Again, mm, magnesium, magnesium. Oh my goodness. Magnesium mm. is, it acts as a cofactor for every single enzymatic activity in your body. And there are around 300 enzymatic activities going on in your body, right? Especially you know, every time we all know that our cells are replicating and dividing all the time. Whenever there's a cell replication or cell division, you know, DNA suffers. There's a damage. There's a slight damage to DNA. So if that damage keeps on accumulating, that is the cause for, you know, acceleration of the aging that that ages us faster. And if that damage to DNA is accumulated, that's the cause for mutation and that causes cancer. So we need to avoid the DNA damage, right? So you need magnesium as a cofactor for the enzymes that are necessary for DNA synthesis and DNA repair. So there's an enzyme called DNA polymerase that does all this work. That DNA polymerase is essential for the DNA integrity and its maintenance for its stability. And uh, that DNA polymerase is basically... uh, functioning, that enzyme is working, enzyme is formed because of the cofactor, and that cofactor is magnesium. So that's how magnesium is so, so important. But usually, again, overlooked, understudied. People don't talk much about it, but uh, definitely according to the RDA, all adults need a 400 uh, milligram of magnesium every single day. You know, it just is good for your overall immunity, over your overall function of the body, for every single function of the Uh, cells that's performing in our body. I think it's the unsung mineral hero that we just, no one talks about enough. And it's something like I take magnesium and vitamin D every day. And I truly feel much better when I'm consistent with my magnesium because like you said, it's involved in so many functions in the body. Yeah, that's true. And the third one that I wanted to talk to you about is omega-3 fatty acids. Ooh, I love omega yes, fatty yes. acids. Let's, As skin yeah. health, we do love it over here. Yeah, it's, it's just good for basically the formation of all the membranes, cell, membranes, cell membranes, and it reduces the inflammation. It's the number one uh, nutrient that is actually required for the reduction of uh, inflammation. And it increases the immunity and uh, decreases the all-cause mortality. Again, it's just so understudied. They, there's, I mean, people never used to bother about omega-3 fatty acids. But think about these fatty acids are required for the cell membrane integrity, for the cell membrane formation. And we know we constantly need that structure of the cell for in order for cell to be functioning right. Your structure of the cell, the cell membrane needs to be right, right? And that all is basically supported by these phospholipids, omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3 fatty acids, now there's a scientist who does great research on omega-3 fatty acid. He's come up with a measurement, uh, which is called omega-3 index. Now, Mm -hmm. omega-3 index in United States and most of the developed countries is around 4%. And ideally, optimally, it should be 8%, you know. So Mm 4 is too deficient. So, and that, that, that deficiency is mainly because of the two components. So there are omega-3 fatty acids are basically three kinds, EPA, DHA, which are the marine sources, and then ALA, which is a plant source. And we know that we are not consuming the seafood and fish as much as we should be. So that's why we all are deficient in EPA and DHA. 
Those are the two kinds of omega-3. Those are the two kinds of fatty acids. So that's why it's better to consume that in the form of pill. Low-hanging fruit, there is no barrier, there's no hesitation. We all can consume pills. Um, and versus if you, th if you see the data, Japan uh, has uh, EPA, uh, the omega-3 fatty acid index of 10 to 12% because they do consume a lot of marine sources of uh, seafood and fish, which is really needed. And, you know, I know I, when I tell my clients that they, some of them have some hesitation that, you know, I'm not going to eat the marine source or the fishes just because it, uh, it has high content of uh, mercury. But right, the heavy metals. We get that all the time. We get all we get, the time. We get pushback. Exactly. Of, I can't believe you're recommending I eat fish. Yes, yes. But uh, eating marine source is such a clean form of and a more bioavailable form of EP and DHA. But then I, you know, you can do a lot of things to correct some problems like that. You know, don't consume the big fish. Big uh, uh, yeah, big predators like swordfish, halibut. Try to avoid that. Try to consume the seafood, uh, you know, try to consume small fish like sardines, uh, your salmon. They are a little bit less in uh, mercury, so they are good for you. And... Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's the thing about omega-3 fatty acids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like all of the, th the tactics and strategies you, you've shared have been so simple and so doable. And they're things that we know. We just are always looking for something more complicated to be able to make us feel better. But it is eating the healthy food, getting the sleep, getting the movement, and getting those nutrients like omega-3 fatty acids, the magnesium, and the vitamin D, which I can happily report are three things I personally take every day. And for you, you know, you're 50 years old, but you have a biological age of 28 years old because you're following these strategies that you teach to your, that you teach to your clients, and you now have a book about it as well. So I would love for you to share a little bit about your book because I know this was coming from, you know, a really, a really heart centered focus because of what your dad had to go through with his illnesses. Yeah. I mean, health and wellness is my passion, Katie. I am a trained medical physician, but I had always wanted uh, to study the progression of the disease and prevention of the disease. You know, you're in this field too. Uh, you know, our medical protocol is all about the bandage approach. You know, just go ahead and fix the symptoms with the help of pharmaceuticals. But that's not what I wanted. All the, uh, I just wanted to totally eradicate and look at the root cause, what is causing the disease. So basically, it was important for me to study prevention. And that's why I did my master's public health in epidemiology and clinical research, where I could get myself uh, more knowledge and experience to see how the disease progress and what are some factors that can actually, we can, um, those interventions that can actually prevent the disease. You know, once you have the tools and the knowledge and experience, you can really control a lot to an extent to either slow the disease or in some cases, even reverse the disease. And I, myself, on a personal level, I had seen, I mean, I suffer from autoimmune Hashimoto's disease, you know, thyroiditis. And there's not even a single doctor who could help me or control my symptoms, you know, because my uh, antibodies were totally out of the chart. And we know that, okay, autoimmune is untreatable, but with the help of all those holistic interventions, I have been able to bring it to the stage of remission. I don't have the symptoms for last five to seven years, which is huge, you know. I know I cannot totally treat it, but as long as I don't have symptoms and I don't have to take medications for that, you know, I'm good enough. So I think there's a lot that can be done, just not by going and taking, you know, all those medications that doctors prescribe you. A lot before that can be done as a part of prevention and which is all in your hands, all holistic approaches, you know. And that's why I had invested my time and my effort in studying the holistic nutrition from uh, Cornell University and IIN. And that all, you know, that knowledge, that experience, that wisdom helped me to basically launch this practice, my health and wellness practice, where I help my clients to totally reset their health and bio-optimize their health in order for them to be living up to the full potential. We take care of the gut health, skin health, uh, immune health, hormone health, and that's how I help them. 
I think it's just it's great to see the passion in doctors and especially in the medical community. You being a trained medical doctor, there's so few of you out there right now that are really taking that holistic approach and looking at the preventative measures, talking about diet, talking about supplementation, uh, sleep and movement versus just pushing a laundry list of medications that increase people's lifespan but reduce their health span. Totally true. And that's what I tell. Okay, start slow and low, start with all those, uh, you know, low hanging fruits, which is around you and you can take care of them by yourself. Don't go totally towards stem cell therapy or peptide therapy. They're all advanced. I mean, once you've, once you've controlled and balanced your basic levels, then go towards a more high advanced level of uh, intervention. So I love that. That's the best approach. Well, yeah. I, well, Dr. Manny, before we finish up, I would love for you to share for a little bit about your book. Where can people find your book should they want to go and grab a copy of it? So my book is not launched yet. We are still working on it. I mean, I'm almost in a month, hopefully. I'm just too excited. Yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. Ahead I'm like, let me yourself. buy it now. That's the way to go, Katie. So my book is all about health and wellness and it's uh, living and aging bioptimally so that you can live to your full potential, live and age bioptimal is the title of the book and the listeners can get 50% off if they pre-purchase it. And uh, my website is liveagewell.net, which has plethora of information, the blogs and a lot of stuff on it. You can go look through. And then my Instagram is dr underscore money, my name, dot K-U-K-R-E-J-A. They can get onto the Instagram. I'm quite active there. Perfect. I'm going to link all of that in the show notes so that way they can go and check out your your website. They can pre-order your book, which I am so excited for, and also check you out on Instagram because that's where I'm pretty active as well. So thank you, Dr. Manny. I have so enjoyed this chat today. It was wonderful to talk to you and to meet a doctor that is you know working so hard in this preventative way so that people can really increase their health span along with your lifespan. So thank you so much for being here today. Likewise, Katie. It was my pleasure to be here. Thank you. All right, everybody. That was another episode of the Clear Skin Chronicles. Join us next Wednesday as we're digging into how to empower women's health and overcoming their dismissal in healthcare. We'll see you then. Thanks for hanging out with us this week on the Clear Skin Chronicles. We'll see you next Wednesday with a brand new episode. Remember to subscribe to the show and drop us a review. Sending glowing vibes your way, Katie and Chris.